We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. I'm excited to introduce to you a new friend. His name is Mark Philpott, and he is the founder and CEO of the podcast Global Travel Channel and the father of Oscar, who I have just met, who is absolutely adorable. Welcome, Mark. Heidi, thank you. Well, very nice to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, it's such a treat to have you on the show coming all the way to us from a boat in Australia which is probably the most unusual place that I've had one of my guests calling in from. In these days, I guess it's not really dialing in anymore. But pretty incredible that we can actually do that these days. Digital just really lets us be anywhere we want to be, which is what it's all about. So our guests probably don't know, or maybe they do. But for those that don't know much about you, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you came to be working with the Global Travel Channel? Sure. I was in the corporate world for many years as a global corporate executive for a big multinational company where I spent uh, most of my life on aircraft and sitting in boardrooms around the world. And after doing that for a couple of decades, I decided that um, I wanted a change of of life and pace. And I decided to start my own charity organization, not-for-profit organization. So I left the corporate world behind after a wonderful career and commenced what was a extraordinary exciting journey as a philanthropist and setting up my own not-for-profit organization which I did for a number of years and um, yeah I got to the stage where I was working probably harder doing that than I was in the corporate world in terms of you know just burning the midnight oil and came very unbalanced and decided to take another change and uh, stepped away from that for a while and decided to become a homeless man. So I came up with the idea of creating a social experiment for my own life where I would travel the world as a homeless person and to find out who I really was and to get in touch with myself. So I did that for about 18 months. And to be honest, I'd still be doing it today if it wasn't an intervention by some illnesses within my family that I had to rush back to Australia to take care of. And during that time, coming back to Australia, I decided to buy a sailboat. So that's how I ended up here on the sailboat today. Well, and so that is your new home. What an incredible story. And I mean, to choose to be homeless and to be so I mean, what is that? What exactly does that mean? Because I think I need a little bit of clarification when you say you choose to be homeless, because a lot of us refer may refer to what you were talking about as being sort of untethered. But it was it like homeless on the street? Or is it just you not having a fixed home? Well, it was both. I chose to walk away from the then home that I had when I was living in Singapore and decided literally overnight that I was going to vacate that premise and actually gave it to somebody else to move into with all of my belongings inside except for my clothes. So I walked away from all the materialistic side of my life as well as all of the, um, I guess, the business stress and, and all the rest of it. So yeah, no fixed abode, but at the same time, I didn't have any idea potentially where my next meal or where my next shelter was going to be provided. And it was an extraordinary experience to this very day. It's brought very many new, amazing people into my life and uh, yeah, got me in touch with who I really was. Wow, that is so incredible. And I think there's a lot of value to that experience in what we're going through right now with this quarantine. I hear a lot of people talking about you know, sort of dematerializing their lives and trying to get rid of all of that excess. And 
I mean, I know for myself, I sort of wistfully think back to the days when I could fit everything I own in my car. And, you know, with a husband and two kids and a dog, that's just not feasible anymore. And and I don't necessarily want to be living out of my car, but I do miss the portability. And, and I also feel the pressure from all of the excess. And so I think a lot of us have been going through this sort of how do we rinse out and what is the minimalist piece that we absolutely need? What were some of the things that you took from that experience that you found were absolutely essential for you to survive and thrive? Well, Heidi, you raise a really good point there, and you talk about the materialistic separation. And what I found was that my happiness and my contentment were not linked to those materialistic things that I had. So once I established the fact of or situation that I walked away from all of those things, I started to realize what were the real meaningful things in my life. And it was the interactions with people. It was the memories that I created of places that I went to. And it doesn't mean that you have to travel from one side of the world to the other to have that. You can walk down to your local park and sit under a tree and have that same connection and experience to something beautiful. You know, a tree in Switzerland is the same as a tree in Montana as far as that goes. So, yeah, it was really getting into that separation of really being mindful of putting away those things that I was linked to materialistically and keeping those things up to date with new brands and new models and all that thing that we go through. And replacing that mindset with one of, okay, it's what I'm doing that's more important. It's how I'm feeling that's more important. And the great part about that journey was the digital connection that I had because it was through the digital connection that other people found out about what I was doing. And therefore, I had all these people around the world putting up their hands to say, hey, come and stay with us and tell us about your journey and share your journey with us and see our country and see our city. So it really started to become this enormous momentum of humanity connecting with me to say, hey, we want to take care of you. And while I did sleep on the streets many times and I slept on mountaintops and I slept in railway stations and bus terminals and things like that, I got to share a lot of amazing experiences in complete strangers' homes and granny flats and boats and islands and anything you could possibly imagine. Wow, what an incredible experience. And I think it's something that A lot of people who are right now looking at the idea of particularly young people, but I shouldn't say it's it's purely for young people, but who are sort of emerging into the new landscape, which is very unsettling, not sure what's going to happen next, but they're trying to figure out sort of maybe I'll just be a digital nomad for a little while. What does that actually mean? And can I survive with next to nothing? So What kind of equipment, for example, just coming down to like, you know, basic things in order for you to stay connected? Was it simply a smartphone that enabled you to uh, communicate with this larger audience to be able to find your community of people that I'm sure there was a lot of, they felt that you were just as much of a gift to them as they providing you a, a meal or a roof over their head, just in your sharing your stories. But what exactly did you need for technology in order for you to remain connected to do that? I'll mention the technology part in a second, but I want to preface that I think there's two other elements that were more important than the technology. And the first one was the number one piece of equipment that I had was my passion. And the second one was my authenticity. So when people saw that I was passionate about what I was doing and I was authentic about it, I wasn't doing it to get social media likes and all the rest of it. I was doing it to find myself as a human Mm -hmm. being. 
I think a lot of other people could relate to that. So it was through then the digital means of being able to create, you know, a Facebook page and, and people being able to follow my journey. I had a bit of a conundrum with that because I actually wanted to get rid of my mobile phone as part of the process. I wanted to dispose of the technology to really put myself in the world and be free. So I really had a challenge with that. And a lot of times during the trip, I actually did. I, I put away the phone. I left it off for a number of days and weeks even at a time. But I felt all this. I did feel pressure from people who wanted to keep updated with what I was doing, where I was going, and more importantly, how they could help me. And that was really you know, humbling as well. And that was the key driver there, I guess. So it was a combination of those two things. It was the passion and authenticity matched together with the technology that allowed me to connect with people and in a lot of cases, as I said, strangers all over the world. Well, and the digital well-being part of me loves the fact that you took the time to make a conscious decision to be offline for part of that, despite the fact that, you know, your community was sort of pulling from you. Because we all do sort of feel this uh, sort of love-hate relationship with feeling like you have to constantly update and you have to give feedback and you have to get feedback. And there's sort of that, you know, that dopamine loop that we all get caught up in. And yet it's really important to take time to really be fully present in each of your experiences and with the people that you're with and with the space that you're in. I'm glad to hear that you took time to do that because travel is one of those things where if you're stuck behind the camera lens, you miss so much of everything else that's around you. I'm sure you've got so many stories. It's crazy, crazy. But is there... Anything in particular or a couple in particular that you might be interested in sharing that really stood out for you as transformational or profound in sort of your perspective of the world and how you fit into it as a global citizen? Yeah, I guess in terms of the word trust comes to mind. I, I think in terms of the way that we trust each other in all sorts of different situations, particularly when our life is in a vulnerable state. And I, I guess that's relevant for today's world that we're living in. The fact remains is that there are the majority of people in this world that you can trust. And you've got to learn first, I think, to trust yourself. So I was this you know, corporate guy who had traveled the world as a with my suit and tie on for many years and very conscious of the the play that goes on within the political world, within corporate. And then I moved into the not-for-profit world, which, to be honest, wasn't that much different. So when I walked into the homeless man role, all of a sudden, all those layers were stripped away. And I was left with that bare rawness where I didn't have an identity linked to a business card anymore. I was merely a human being like we all are out there in the world. So trust, I would say, was the number one element that had the biggest impact on me. So yes, there's lots of stories around the people that I met and the experiences that I had, but I would say the greatest thing that I came away with was trusting myself to make those decisions internally. Is this a safe place to sleep tonight? Is this food all right to eat? Can I trust this bottle of water that someone's given me? Right down to that level. And that's what I think is really living because we're down to that level of detail about how do we survive? And that's the greatest asset that it gave me, I think, in, in terms of that. In terms of some of the experiences, there's a couple that come to mind. And the first one is a gentleman I met on a train between Frankfurt and Munich in Germany. And it was uh, early in the morning and it just so happened that the seat next to him was spare. So I went and sat next to him and I thought he was a German gentleman, but it turned out he was a man from Wisconsin in the United States. And 
he was an elderly gentleman and we got talking very quickly and I asked him what he was doing and he said every year he comes to Europe to backpack at the age of 75 by himself. His wife doesn't like to get on an aeroplane and he goes and stays with complete strangers in houses and he just literally knocks on people's doors and asks them if he can have a room for the night. And I found this so inspiring and really it was pretty similar to what I was doing. So, so the universe had connected me with somebody who was on a very similar path and, and yet this was extraordinary and we we're still in touch today with each other and, and he's an extraordinary human being and he goes back to Europe every year to do this. So that was great. And another quick one was a person I had met in Sweden, uh, sorry, in Singapore when I was living there, who was Swedish. He gave me his private island to stay on as a homeless person just outside of Stockholm. And it was an incredible, generous offer to offer me. And when I'm talking about an island, I'm talking about an island with a lovely home on it and a boat and everything else. And I stayed there for a month in the height of the Swedish summer and started to write a book. And and use that creativity flow. But I, it just really, I remember sitting there one night on the jetty on the island, uh, looking at the sunset and thinking how incredible this world is. When we open our hearts to people, when we trust others to you know, do the best things possible for themselves, then amazing things can happen. And uh, yeah, I still live with that great memory today. Uh, so that's where the Swedish comes from. When we when he had our little <laughs> green room conversation, you said, I speak Swedish. I thought, that's a very odd language for you to pick up. I mean, I don't meet other people that speak Swedish very often, I have to say, other than Swedes. So well, it uh, comes from there, and it also comes from a partnership in the past as well. So Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, what a wonderful experience. The archipelago out there is really, for those of you who are itching to do some travel in Scandinavia, I highly recommend going up to the Swedish archipelago outside Stockholm. Actually, there's a nice one outside of Gothenburg as well, but the yes. Stockholm one is particularly nice. So, so you're down, you're on a boat now, and you're down in, outside of Melbourne, is that correct? Yeah, so- Brisbane. Brisbane, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my Australian uh, geography is, is quite bad. I think most people, you know, Northern Hemisphere people are a little confused I have to tell you a very funny Australia experience for me. So my husband and I lived in London when we were first married, and we said, okay, well, you know, we want to go to Australia and see Australia for our honeymoon. And so we invited all of our Australian friends over, which, because there's a lot of them as expats in London, and pulled out a map and said, okay, we want to see Australia. And they said, well, how much time do you have? And we said, well, we'll go, you know, five weeks. And they, they all laughed at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what? what what's so funny and they're like well yeah. you can see this little piece here and the thing is when you look at maps that are done, designed from the northern hemisphere australia looks quite small <laughs> <laughs> and you don't realize that it's you know as big or maybe even bigger than the u.s i don't know but it, it it's exactly around the same right. size anyway yeah. yeah that was a little bit of a reality kick for us and needless to say, we did have a wonderful trip, but we did not see all of it. So there's much room for more trips down that way. Good. Anyway, so you're down in Brisbane now. And are you originally from there? So have you sort of repatriated or no? Where are you from? No, I'm a, I'm a New Zealander, a very proud Kiwi. And I left, uh, yeah, I essentially left New Zealand when I was pretty young to start my, I guess, global travel. I've been traveling the world for 40 years. And uh Australia is the place I came because my parents retired here from New Zealand and um, when I had the the, uh, family health issues to deal with, I came back to Australia to look after them. So yeah, it's a a transit stop for me. It's somewhere that I've um, gone through a fairly 
interesting process. And of course, with what's happening around the world at the moment, we're all a little bit stuck to where we want to go to next. So this will be an interim for me before I take off again and continue my global adventures. Well, it seems like it's a nice place to be stuck, so to speak, Mm. especially if you've got a roof over your head that's mobile. (laughs) can float on the water anywhere in the world (laughs) (laughs) sounds delightful sounds delightful and has your companion been traveling with you has oscar been part of your journey or is he it does he stay in uh, australia new zealand oscar's a uh a boat dog so he loves being on the boat but next time i take off he will be coming with me so in fact i i'd made plans that we were only two weeks away from actually getting on a plane and heading to the United States before this uh, terrible virus came along. And uh, Oscar had his little cage prepared, and he was uh, going to take a very long-haul flight to the west coast of the United States from Australia, and we were going to start an uh, incredible adventure over there. So that's still on the cards, and we're just waiting for everything to calm down a little bit before we take off and do that. Yeah, for sure. I was just I was curious because a lot of us, uh, we travel often with our dog when we're going uh, back and forth. So she's been she actually has a Swedish and an American passport, which oh, wow. is uh, quite nice. It makes it very easy to just, you know, she just comes right along with us. And uh, But there, for some people who have larger dogs, that can be a little more challenging. If you have a small dog that can fit in the cabin, it makes it quite a lot easier. So tell me a little bit about the podcast, because you said you launched this about 11 months ago, I believe. And sort of what was the mission behind the podcast and sort of What do you hope to achieve or what's your message with the podcast? Well, great question, Heidi, because the podcast idea came about through my boredom actually on the boat. So I'm not a guy that can sit still very well for very long. And whilst there's lots of blue ocean to see and beautiful islands to sail to and all the rest of it, there was something missing for me. And I always find it interesting to, I've always tried to develop new skills throughout my life. So Someone had said to me, why don't you do a podcast? You'd be quite good at that. And I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a go. I know nothing about it. And I started from ground zero like we all do. And I thought, okay, well, the thing is I've been traveling all my life, so it's obviously got to be about travel, but I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy talking all the time. So I decided that I would interview people all across the world about their amazing travel experiences. And away it went. And it's been a phenomenally interesting journey. It really has because it's connected me again with my old world. The corporate side of the people that knew me have jumped on board to support it, which has been phenomenal. But it's also, and you would have experienced this, it's also opened up a whole new world of people. And to think that there's people sitting down today listening to you chatting on a microphone around 100 countries around the world, it's pretty exciting stuff, right? And to have that engagement and and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's been a phenomenal journey. I love doing it. I pump out three shows a week, which is, you know, pretty intense. And I do it all myself. I I do all the editing. I've taught myself how to do all that sort of stuff. And I absolutely love it. So yeah, it's, it's the future for now. That's for sure. For sure. And it's, I mean, it's a wonderful community. I don't know how much you've connected with the podcast community itself, but podcasters are just great people. I have uh, several different clusters of them. We have my girls pod squad that we, you know, connect every other week and check in with each other. And it's just a really supportive, wonderful group of people that their common denominator is they love people and, and, you know, they love sharing experiences and they're good listeners. Yes. And well, actually, I shouldn't say they are all good listeners because some don't do interviews and maybe they just like to hear their own voice. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, I'll qualify that. Uh, but all of the ones that I know that I <laughs> are mostly on, they do interviews because we've met through a community where we're looking for and sharing guests and things. So it's a little yeah. bit different. But for the most part, it's a wonderful group of people. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed the, the whole medium itself. It's a great new medium. So where are your plans next? So when you can set sail, where do you think you'll go? Well, the next plans involve a boat, but not this one I'm on today. So we're actually, Oscar and I are going to be heading to the United States of America to take on another maritime adventure. And this one is called The Great Loop. Have you heard of The Great Loop? No. Okay. Tell many, me. Many of your listeners won't know about it as well. So it's probably best that I, I define what it is. Please. So The Great Loop is a... Well, it seems to be a secret, but a lot of people are finding out about Not it. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the Great Loop is an amazing um, waterway adventure that you can take in the United States and Canada, basically, which goes from Florida in the south of the United States on the eastern seaboard. You can travel up through the intracoastal waterways as far as New York City and up the Hudson River into the Erie Canal system mm -hmm. and then into the Great Lakes and then down the Mississippi River into the Gulf of Mexico and back to Florida. And that's called the Great Loop. Wow. And it's a 6,000 nautical mile adventure that you can do in a boat. And you need a specific type of boat to do it because there's lots of locks and canals and things that you have to go through. So I've had this on my bucket list for a number of years now, but I, I only wanted to do it as a philanthropic project. So what I've done is I've, I've been working for the last two years to set up a project whereby we take 18 to 21-year-old people from all over the world who are struggling at the moment a little bit off the tracks they might not be really finding their sweet spot in life and we give them specific time on the boat and I'm going to bring mentors and and buddies from all over the world who are skilled in specific areas to pass on their skill sets to these young people wow. so we're going to be doing everything from filmmaking to podcasting to musicians to chefs you name it, there's going to be these um, programs on board the boat as we go around the Great Loop. So it's going to be a two to three year project. And we're going to invite young people who, as I say, they may be disadvantaged in some way. They may be struggling in life or just not knowing what it is they want to do. And they want to learn some life skills, but also some technical skills to go with that. We're going to marry them up with people that are phenomenal in their field who can do that with us along the boat journey. So it's going to be an incredible maritime adventure. We're going to get to see all these towns and cities along the way. We're making a TV series out of it. So lots of people around the world are going to be able to get to see it. But we're also hopefully going to change a lot of people's lives along the way as well, which is really the, the whole purpose of it. That sounds amazing. Well, you'll have to keep us posted because we'll definitely share that with our audience. It sounds like a really cool trip and just a great mission. I love the idea of having two... Uh, young adults in that age group right now, I can say that particularly with the current world situation with the pandemic, even those that thought they knew what they wanted to do are a little bit up in the air and sort of saying, well, maybe that wasn't such a good plan after all. What's the world going to be like? What do I need? You know, what skill sets do I need? Is college the way to go? Even they're all looking at sort of a different path. My son, who is 18, almost 19, has taken an alternative path as well. He said, nuts to college. I don't believe in it. He may go back eventually, but at this point in his life, he feels like he can learn more from working and just living life. And he's doing yeah. a great job at it, I might add. Wonderful. He's doing, you know, he's doing just fine. So I think I'm not too worried about him. But 
But I do think that they're, you know, having opportunities to do something like that, where you can match up mentors and, and help guide some of the youth. And I'm sure that the mentors will learn a lot from these kids too, which is a pretty amazing thing. I find that the stages in my life where I've done teaching, whether it's for younger students or even with in the corporate environment, I learn more as a teacher than I feel like the students. And that's not to say that I'm a bad teacher, because they do say that I'm a good teacher. But it's more that you learn so much from the teaching process from your students. And so I think it sounds like a wonderful program for win-win for everybody. And mm. uh, also beautiful trip. I'm kind of jealous. Yes. <laughs> well, you, come and join us. I come would love us. to. Yeah, bring me in as yes. a digital well-being expert. I would love to talk to those kids and go for there a little sale. Okay. Yeah, sounds very cool. Would you ever go back to being a homeless man? Have to ask. Oh, really good question. Really good question. Yes, I think I would because I think I've got unfinished business there in mm -hmm. some ways. And I just feel as though today again and, and getting into the podcasting world, and as you know, you're spending a lot of time on technology again and, and doing all that. But I have actually made a decision that I can share with you and your listeners today that kind of takes me halfway back to my my homeless world and that is I'm going to spend one month a year completely off the internet and disconnected from everything so I've made that commitment and as soon as COVID-19 takes a holiday for a while and I can put things into place then I'm going to do that so I'm going to start off by doing a completely internet free month where I will be back again into the universe with interacting with people on a face-to-face -face human level and um, not using technology for one second during my day for that whole month. So there's a baby step back to back to my homeless journey. Well, I think that's a wonderful idea. And I think if you can pull it off, there's a lot that can be learned from that as to, you know, what was missing and what, what also what was gained from that. And I think we all, maybe we can't all go to that extreme. And even when I'm working with my clients around digital well-being, I often recommend that they have Take a technology-free weekend. Don't use technology over the weekend. Just give your brain and your body a break and your technology a break, for that matter. Turn everything off and let it mm. reboot and restart it on Monday, and everybody's going to feel fresher and more recharged and ready to go. So Absolutely. I think there, there's a lot of value to taking that time and getting that perspective and having those, you know, being fully present, as we talked about a little bit earlier, with the things around you. So I guess the challenge will have to be for you is who's going to do your podcast when you're gone? <laughs> and will you end up having to go to a flip phone or will you just, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I can't remember the last time I saw actually a pay phone anywhere. I mean, how do you, <laughs> how, do, how do you function? <laughs> well, I've already got the uh, podcast thing sorted out, so I'll batch up some uh episodes before I go and uh, I'll have someone else post those for me. So that's a pretty easy one. But for the rest, I don't think I'm going to have any trouble at all walking away from everything because I'm not somebody who wakes up in the morning and the first thing I do is turn on my digital device. I usually wait until 10 o'clock in the morning every day before I get connected to any source of technology. I'm not someone that goes to bed at the other end of the day with my technology on either. So yeah, I feel really confident that I'm going to be able to manage it, no problem at all. And you know what? At the end of the day, after those 30-odd days that I'm gone, the people are still going to be there that want to talk to me and need to talk to me and, and do things. So, yeah, I have no fear of it whatsoever. Oh, no, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's going to be wonderful. And I, I look forward to the book that comes out of it afterwards. So I'm assuming you'll be Absolutely. doing lots of writing, <laughs> which is going to be wonderful. Yes. 
So, and, and, I, and I think that's a really good thing because I, I guess in terms of, and you'll, you'll understand this, Heidi, as well, I think in terms of another thing that that homeless journey gave me and also now being on a boat and living this lifestyle, my creativity juices have gone through the roof because I've allowed myself that space. And I think also when you're connected to nature and the way I'm on the water every day, I go up and down with the tides, the wind's blowing, everything else is around me. So my senses are working over time than compared to being perhaps in an office building all day or in a house in the suburbs. So I get to, I guess, interconnect with nature at a, at a very intimate level every day. And that's helped me so, so much from a creativity point of view. And I think by taking this month out away from the internet again, I want to get those creativity juices going to the next level. I love that. No, do you have a favorite outlet for your creativity or is your podcast your outlet? I mean, do you play music or do you paint or you write? So maybe that's your outlet. I love writing. I, I love meditation as well. That's mm -hmm. another outlet where it centers me and brings me back to being in that right place at the right time and, and answering a lot of the questions of whether I should start this project or whether I should start that project or or whatever. So yeah, I guess between writing and the podcasting, uh, my immediate creative out outlets, but I also look at creativity in the form of meditation and silence and, and enjoying. And also, funny enough, diet and nutrition as well. I think that's a really important component in it. I've just started recently a whole new nutritional program. I did my first 48-hour fast uh, a few weeks ago. And from that, I've also found a new wave of energy associated with my creativity through having clarity of mind through better eating and better well-being so combination of everything i think i'm into continuously improving the output of my soul i call it so yeah i'm always looking at ways in which i can further enhance that experience of life i love that i think it, it's something a lot of us are doing a lot of during this time right now it's a good introspective time it's an opportunity to really figure out what works and what helps us get that clarity because it's very easy to get fuzzy in this time. There's, you know, so many stimuli and so much indecision and so much unsurety that sometimes we just need to stop and breathe and put good things into our body and get exercise and just get down to the basic fundamentals of being kind to ourselves, being kind to our Mother Earth being kind to those around us and and just breathing you know that it's like yeah. don't forget to breathe you know <laughs> it's yeah. it's one of those sort of simple elemental things that we often forget to do when we get caught off guard we forget to breathe and that fits into so many different contexts so i really i honor you for the work that you're you're doing both on yourself and that you're sharing with the world and really appreciate it thank you thank you so before we sign off, I want to make sure that folks can find you. What's the best way for them to track you, whether you're actively online or whether they want to read your stuff or follow your podcast? How do they find you? Yeah, the best way is to go to the website at www.globaltravelchannel.com, all one word there. So it's easy to find us. And um, if you want to drop me a note, you can find us on social media as well. And uh, Happy to engage with anyone, Heidi. So as you said in the beginning, and I, I love the comment you made, everyone has a story. And I'm really into you know hearing about other people's stories because that's another way that I learn for my journey in life as well. So I welcome contact from anybody. Well, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show today. I just, 
I look forward to hearing about more of your journeys and uh, staying in touch because you're a fascinating individual, but I just, I really, I love what you're doing. So thank you so much. And thank you folks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you and thank you for sticking it out for the entire show. If you like today's show, please make sure you take a moment to subscribe. And if you really liked it, we would always appreciate a rating and review and let us know if you have done that because we always love to give a little shout out and thank you for those who take the time to give us a little bit of love. So thank you all for joining us today and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye for now.